This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk Podcast, episode 121-121. My name is Josh, and we're all back. Chris is not sleeping this time, and Mark is here as well. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Summer, summer, summertime. As you can tell, Chris is trying out for American Idol uh, during his summer school uh, time off. Yeah, Mark, you're not in summer school yet. You don't you don't nope. uh you don't do summer school until the dead of summer. We had our first day of summer school today and it it was the first day of summer school. In in the middle of the you know, you got all of that busyness going on. You have people from other districts coming in. Um and in the middle of it I the, call it a circus. I I wasn't going to say circus, but it is a well-orchestrated <laughs> circus. In the middle of it all, we get a phone call from our transportation director that internet service and phones at the bus garage went down. So, you know, buses are <laughs> always crazy on day one of school and day one of summer school. Um, and, yeah, let's let's take their phones and internet out. So, thankfully, they were only down a couple hours. So, yeah, our summer school kicked off with a bang today, day two tomorrow. And we'll see. Chris, how far in are you? We're like, I think this is week two. Really? Yeah. What, you started? Well, maybe it was week one. You started summer school before Memorial Day? Okay, no, it's week one. <laughs> Feels like week two. <laughs> I guess Monday was the first day. Yeah, so it is summer school, but you have a rather big project taking place, and it's with one of our sponsors, just coincidentally. Um, you've got a big network redo coming with Extreme Networks, right? Yeah, next week, uh, Extreme Networks. You can email D Mayer, Dominic Mayer at extremenetworks.com. But I have uh, a bunch of switches coming in. We're we're doing a bunch of MDF work at each of our buildings. Got a bunch of fifty five twenties, fifty four twenties coming in. Redoing a bunch of stuff. Uh, I mentioned previously our network administrators retiring. So I'm attempting to put the network admin hat on. That's been cracking me up, pulling configs I haven't touched in a very long time. I actually sat down with Mike, the network admin today. Uh, he retaught me what is a VLAN. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and, uh, you know, how to manage the network. I said, Mike, you just tell me. Let's pretend I don't know. And then you, you <laughs> yes. just tell me. Yes, let's pretend. <laughs> you invest into me. Just, you know, let it fall. Uh, but anyways, extreme switches. We're going with extreme, uh, getting those this next week. We have scheduled downtime for cool. during summer school. During the day? During the day. We're just wow. going all in. Wow. Basically, we've scheduled that over the course of three days. The buildings are prepared for impact. How how did the teachers take that? I don't know that the teachers know. Really? I don't see that as my responsibility to tell oh, the teachers. I oh, told the administrators. Oh, you're fitting into that role real well now, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I told the principals. I told administration. I told them to expect extended amounts of downtime. And I gave a timeline. 
and then you did it in writing so that when a teacher says, I didn't know the internet was down, yes. you can say, yeah. I told your principal on right. this yep. day. Boy, Chris, you are really settling into that network admin role. <laughs> Chris, did beautifully. You, did you I've take, always had it. Did Mark give you that training, Chris? Like, is that a is that out of the Mark playbook, or you know, you know yeah. whose playbook that sounds like <laughs> it came out of? Although he would not have emailed anyone, would be our friend Pate. Pate wouldn't do that. Pate, that that's like out of the Pate playbook right there. <laughs> it should be fine, and it will be fine because I have confidence in the extreme networking that we're getting. It'll be fine. So let, let's let's unpack, Chris Illingworth, what did you get that there? Uh, let's unpack a little bit of this process of your network admin leaving and him training you uh, to take over for him. Are, are you keeping him on retainer for any sort of time? After, like you make a config change, hit save, and things go down. Are you going to be able to call him in and pay him an hourly rate to come in and help? Retainer, re, re, I, I, I wouldn't use that word, but... Um, I know that if we were in a pinch, uh, I'm going to be able to call on him and we work out some kind of contracted thing. He's not going to come back for any, uh, you know, you'll you'll hear of a lot of techs retiring or teachers even yeah, yeah. that get to come back in Missouri for like 550 hours is the general vibe. Yep. Uh, we're not doing that with him. Uh, we have restructured our department, so we're trying to move forward um, and pretend that we can do things without the whole uh, that that he's leaving us uh, yeah. in, so we'll see. I mean, that's that's a big that's a big chunk of uh, brain trust that's leaving. You know, yes. And, and, you know, Mike Mike's a great guy. He knows what he's doing. But any district that has had a network admin in that role for such a period of time, they leave. That's that's a huge brain trust leaving. I will the the one of the biggest things I've already seen that I actually didn't know he was. I knew he was working on it, but I hadn't seen the fruit of it yet. But he's been spending a lot of time documenting things. Hmm. Uh, so we do uh, clear pass for wireless management stuff. So, you know, new Chromebook comes in, we have to mark it and clear pass that it is one of our devices, oh, that kind yeah. of thing. Well, he had, uh, we we sat down, he was, I was, we, we spent time on clear pass today, he, he and I. Uh, and I wanted to know how to... Uh, mass import all the new Chromebooks that are that we're getting ready to get in July when he's gone. Yeah. Uh, and he told me we use IT glue for documentation. And he said that he had made an IT glue document and he had done screenshots, paragraphs, the whole bit. That's awesome. Uh, and that's exciting for me uh, that he he's really trying to knowledge dump and, yeah. and, and, and do some wisdom stuff to pass it to pass it forward. And we've we've talked about that before, Mark, the the kind of that brain dump or that knowledge dump into a document. I've got my guys working on that right now. If if one of us were hit by a bus, how would we yeah. do things, Mark? I'm sure with a larger department, that's even more important for your team, right? Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, we're we're definitely working on documentation. It's a it's always a work in progress. I think the biggest challenge I have is writing documentation for somebody else to follow the instructions, not sure. necessarily for you to follow them down the road. I think that's the the bigger barrier is, you know writing things down is the easy part, but, but doing it in a way that somebody else can follow your instructions. Uh, yeah. And it's I, a challenge. we saw that when, when we more or less did that tabletop exercise in my department of, okay, we lost power, shut down the virtual environment. And I had a document. I knew, I knew how to walk through my document. I made sparse notes. I was able to follow my notes, but both of my guys are like, what in the world is this? <laughs> So they're like, this needs to be edited. I'm like, fine, that, that's that's fine. Edit the document. And now that we've gone through it, edit 
edit it the way you need it to read so that you can do this without me. And I think you almost have to do that in, in, a, in a network outage or a clear pass issue or you pick a service mark. You know, you, you've almost got to walk through that process with someone that has never done it before with that yeah. document to be able to document it right. Should, should we place bets on how long after the network admin retires from Chris's district that his network goes down? Uh, <laughs> I, you know, so he's having professionals come in and, and do this. Yeah. It'll be fine See, for, for probably three months. And then, I actually, and I sent Josh and my good buddy Jay, neighboring school districts, text today just to like, yeah, you know, open back up, you, you know, just to make sure that I'm not alone. <laughs> Mike just trained me on network admin stuff before he retires. I need my friends now more than ever. <laughs> I love you both. This is what you send the neighboring districts? <laughs> That's what he sent me and Jay, yeah. Because <laughs> we're, both, we're both extreme customers. And he, yeah, he, he's working that connection, Mark. He, did, yeah. did, he, did he apologize for something he said or did like two years ago? No, but oh, I will. No, I will. but he he did come and meet me today and give me something today. So he he's making those he's making those connections and those amends. Yeah, it's, it's uh, amazing. Yeah, I'll be seeing more of Chris. I have a feeling. Right. <laughs> um. So one thing, Mark. Let's let's talk about the K twelve subreddit topic that you found. Um. I guess today that um there were some comments in it that I think are varying viewpoints than I think some of us would take. And maybe maybe we would take the same viewpoint. I don't know. Um, but I think it's it's an important one to unpack. It's out in Reddit. It was the Google or it was the MFA for students topic of discussion out there in Reddit and K-12 sysadmin. Um, Mark, do you want to take that? Yeah, I'm quickly trying to scroll through and get to it here. But uh, uh, on the yeah, on the K-12 sysadmin, there was a thread, a pretty, pretty popular thread uh, recently about student MFA and uh, some different conversations about how to do it. Uh, and there were a lot of different opinions. And there were some some opinions there around like, oh, it's a waste of time. What's the value in getting a student account? Uh, and then some people actively trying to, to find solutions. There are a couple of products out there that do MFA specifically geared for students, which is a, a very, very important factor. You know, they're looking at things like ClassLink that have a photo selection uh, for your your second step. So it was an interesting thread and a lot of very different opinions uh, from folks out there about students and, uh, and M- MFA. Yeah, and I think um, this is likely going to be a trend that you're going to be seeing for a while. Um, and I'm sorry, in the next well, 18 months, two years, you're going to see a trend of more products coming out that are going to be catering to this solution because I yeah. think you're going to start, like it or not, you're going to start seeing this as more of a requirement. Um, and and we can we can argue that fact of whether or not it's it it's the right thing to do or should we be doing it? Is it the correct barrier? Um, but I think for districts that are a little bit more open and their students can receive outside emails. I think, especially at the, at the high school level, that discussion around multi-factor authentication becomes more important because if you're opening it up for them to receive outside messages, they are a target plain and simple. They're, they're as much of a target as your employees are targets. Um, so I, I think that's an interesting discussion. Yeah, there's one comment that kind of piqued my interest. Uh, what, that was, what subreddit are you in? Sysadmin. K-12. K-12 sysadmin. 
Uh, and the title, the title of the Reddit or the the thread is MFA for students. But one of the comments was MFA is an impossible task for most schools. Sorry, that's the truth. Students are not the targets. I agree that it's an impossible task if you're looking at MFA in the same way that you do it for adults with a mobile device yeah. and the two and the code and and authenticator, all those kinds of things. But I do. You're right, Josh. I think in the eight, the next eighteen to twenty four months, we're all going to be looking at an MFA like solution for students, um, because I don't know about you guys, we're already seeing that students are the target. We're seeing um, scams that are going after their data. We're seeing scams that are, unfortunately, we were hit with a scam that was going after uh, kids trying to get money, um, and we saw a. A uh, very dangerous thread within our district, or a scam with a fake job, um, trying to get kids to cash a fake check and then oh, do a geez. refund scam. Um, and then also, you know, don't necessarily think about this as a student being the target, but think of it as a domain account. Any account in your domain can be used to move laterally, to move up within the organization. And so, I think that's the big target to think about. And and I think when you look back into the fall. The I cannot remember the name of the vulnerability or the name of the um, the event, but it was someone out on one of these dark web forums asking students to paste their entire global address list from their directory in, into this. Nice. And then people were going out and taking those global address lo- lists and looking at password dump files to see if they could correlate password yep. dumps along with a student account. Well... I believe, and and I talked with some outside third party outside entities. I believe we saw this. We we saw logins from um, outside of our domain during the school day that were totally suspicious. We contacted the authorities, and they said immediately, everybody, all issue password reset for all your students immediately. Um, so it happens. It can happen. And that's not even, we don't allow outside email to our students, period, K-12. Um, so that's that's even an, a vulnerability without receiving any sort of outside mail. So it yeah. can happen. Yeah, our uh, the scam I was referencing earlier was uh, a compromised student account that was spreading a phishing scam. So even if you have that block uh, on outside emails, this was a, a compromised account and used to spread. And it was so dangerous that that a couple of teachers fell for it and reposted this job, this fake job opportunity in their Google Classroom or sent it out to students. So it for me, it's it's not about you know, oh, well, students aren't the target or maybe not, you know, we're never going to do this. It's it's how do I get MFA for students uh, in a way that can work K to 12? Okay, so that, to me, that brings up another part of this discussion that goes along with a lot of cybersecurity insurance is, is the cyber awareness training. Um, you know, we're doing it for staff and it's included with a lot of third-party tools like um, know before or infosec iq or you know you name the phishing service they have those videos that you can force people to watch or make people watch yep are is it time and i know there are people that are doing it for students is it time to start having those discussions with students more often i know we have to do some of that um uh what is it uh, not online presence oh my gosh what's the requirement that we have to do with e-rate that i cannot Sip think up. of uh, yeah, SIPA, but there's uh, digital citizenship. Yes. Um, 
you know, we have a digital citizenship requirement, but is it time to start including cyber awareness and phishing awareness with students at some level? And and what's that level? I Definitely, I think high school, probably middle school. Um, and I think you can tailor it to the level. But are we there? Is it time to start doing that? We're doing an annual phishing test for high school students. Are you really? Yeah. It's been that's cool. two, or, two or three years we've been doing it. How that how's that been going? Uh interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think the results are are um, better than I expected. But I think one of the things that we are theorizing is that students are just not email users as much as the adults are. No. So I think that I think that's what what drove our our open rates much lower. That's interesting. We do have a and we I've always prided myself or my school district on what I'm about to say. We have a technology scope and sequence. And it goes kindergarten through eighth grade, uh, where we're trying to get technology skills introduced so that they're ready for high school with tech skills. Uh, but we have uh, cybersecurity things sprinkled uh, in there. At the elementary level, it talks about not sharing your username or your password. Uh, middle school, we start talking about social media things, um, clicking on things that you that you don't know that you should click on them, that kind of thing. But the reality two of that is is what that really means is basically two three times a year uh students at middle school high school uh they get uh tech lessons that we incorporate into like their homeroom kind of thing hmm. uh, and elementary has like one one time of the year where we introduce that stuff so it's not like it's a constant training thing but we do sprinkle that out throughout the school year That's so cool. we, yeah interesting we don't really have homeroom but we have like an advisory hour at both of our middle school yeah. and high school. And I think it would be, we could easily, because we're a subscriber of InfoSec and, and they do um, student fishing for free or, you know, part of our package that we can fish our students for free. But I think the discussion could easily be around once a quarter in that advisory hour, we pick one of these videos, one of these fun videos that InfoSec's generated, and the teacher plays them for for the students. Now, whether or not they actually pay attention and consume the content, that's that's a different story. I think it would be harder for for my district to fish our students in a meaningful way because we do block outside mail for everyone. Like if, if a fish came in, if I whitelisted some domains for students and allowed a fish to come in, it would be very, very obvious to the student that this was a fish. Yeah, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> yeah, because they've never received outside mail from anyone besides Google or their teachers in their in their life cycle at, at my district. So. I've had that some with our faculty staff. Google, Google does a pretty good job of yeah. identifying uh, spam and phishing things. So on those times when I've done a targeted thing and I know it's going to hit this week and, and our kind of culture is like, if you get that, you like, we encourage you to call or email yeah, us absolutely. or do a support ticket. Absolutely. And I'm always surprised how many we get where they clearly never get any email that looks suspicious. Cause like they got that one email and they're freaking out about it. Yeah. We're, we're still getting hit with payroll direct deposit stuff like every day. Um, <clears throat> there, you know, this kind of, there was a, a Twitter, a Twitter tweet, a tweet on Twitter. I don't, I don't know what the correct term here is. Um, I saw the other day about some some person saying how they they find it funny that they their their employer. This was in the real world. Their employer fishes their employees, and he finds it humorous to click on the fish, and and more or less drive their fishing score up 
he finds it humorous because it's he thinks it's a waste of money that the, that the employer is fishing their employees and it was it was interesting to watch that discussion and and no one really pointed out that it's likely a requirement of their cyber insurance that that they're doing this it's not because they want to do it they're you know they they think it's fun or a waste of time they they're doing it because their insurance company is probably requiring it um so again, it comes back to that clarity or that discussion of, of the real reason why you're doing things. I think uh, I've mentioned before, our district does like a monthly newsletter to its faculty and staff for yeah. curriculum and all kinds of different things. I always do a tech one, uh, a service that I use from something cool actually, uh, gives me a, a, a security newsletter. I always attach that thing in there. Do I know or do I believe fully that everybody's clicking on that thing and reading it? Because I'll do little, here's the highlights. Yeah. Um, you're, I just feel like you're making an attempt. Yeah. When 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 we go down in flames, <laughs> I'm at least going to say, remember, though, every month I did a security newsletter to you guys and we talked right. about it. Remember the couple times a year we tried to do it with the students uh, yeah. as well. Remember, we do that cybersecurity awareness month. So we're gonna we're gonna do a best effort here. So so it's not my fault. It's your fault. It's not my it? fault. It's Mike's again, fault, and he retired again. Chris is really leaning into this new network admin role, like <laughs> planting seeds so that down the road he can say, "I told you so." Yeah, it's I'm really back. good. I'm, I'm back. I'm proud of you. <laughs> speaking speaking of newsletters, we have to uh, say thank you to our besties that we uh, I guess we 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 defined them as besties last week. Cosin for sure. Uh, they are yeah. besties. Mark, you wanna you texted us today. Do you want to take the pleasure in in telling us what you texted us today? Um, I said, hey, remember that picture i took of chris sleeping in the back of the car uh it just got emailed out to thousands and thousands of people by cosin so <laughs> last week's episode we used a photo of us driving with chris had fallen asleep in the back as our cover art and then cosin tweeted that out in their newsletter so chris snoozing in the back is, yeah i love that i felt um comfortable with you guys that i could be vulnerable with you guys that i could be my authentic <laughs> self with you guys that if i need to close my eyes for a few minutes uh, that that you wouldn't abuse that. Now, no. I, I will say that if I would have drank more than I did when I was in Boston and New Hampshire with you guys, that I fully expected one of you two to use that to your advantage in the future as well. Um, so yes, if you fell if if you fall asleep in the back of the car and you snore, Mark, we're gonna or Chris, we're gonna take your picture. Did I snore? I think you did. Yeah. Yeah. Like like one little one. Uh, I don't know mm -hmm. about that. I Anyways, think I said cool, to Josh, cool guys. Is, is there an 18-wheeler sneak up on the back of us on the highway? <laughs> I don't see anything in my mirror. And then we realized it was it was, it was you. Chris snoring. Uh, Chris. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Cosin. <laughs> yes. Thank you to our buddy, besties at uh, Cosin. We're not real sure who is in charge of the Twitter account. I'm, I'm going to believe it's Keith Kruger because... He just seems like he's uh, he would be a, he would be our bestie. Like we would, you know, we could hang. <laughs> um, so thanks for for sending out that episode in our podcast and your newsletter today. We really appreciate it, and we we hope you guys uh, continue to listen. Chris, do you want to talk about managed methods real quick? One thousand percent. So managed methods hanging out with us for several episodes now. They are offering that free 
Google Workspace Security Audit. Uh, they can do Office 365 stuff too. Uh, if you need information on pricing or the whole bit beyond just the free stuff or to get the free stuff, you can email sales at managemethods.com. Uh, but we will put a link in the podcast description on what you can click on to get that free audit going uh, for you because they can help keep your school district secure. So that's a good segue leading into some Google settings that are about to change for all school districts. Um, so I don't know if you guys, <clears throat> you both got the email about the Google third party change, right? Yes. And I learned about it on K-12 Tech Pro. Yes. And if K you're listening to this and you haven't joined K-12 Tech Pro, you should. You just go to k12techpro.com. You click on community. You click sign up. Uh, get on there because there's all kinds of good stuff on there. Yeah, every time someone joins K12 Tech Pro, an angel gets their wings. Um, True. So I guess it was about a month ago, wasn't it? It was right after New Hampshire, right after the New Hampshire yeah. clinic, I think. Something um, like that. Google sent out this email more or less warning us that uh, the SSO with third-party apps is going to change. And originally it was uh, July 30th or July 31st. Uh, that this was this setting was going to change, but now it looks like they've kicked it back to October 23rd. And we will link this uh, Google support article in the show notes. Um, so, how do how do you explain this, Mark? What's the best way to explain this? I don't know why you keep asking Mark for his opinion. Okay, Chris, first. that's starting to tick me off. Chris, but okay. why do you think they changed it from <laughs> July to October? I think there was an outcry. Okay. Yeah. Mark, what, Mark, what do you, what do you think? I think there was an outcry. I think Josh is right. Um, Chris, so, how would summer's you... either it summer's either the best or the worst time to make changes. It's yeah, why. and you know, I I could I was on board with this changing in July, honestly, because you yeah. rip that band-aid off when nobody's here. When they come back, it's that way. Now, unless you go out and you make this change ahead of time, you're gonna start the year with everything functioning the way it's it has been. And then on October 23rd, you're going to rip the Band-Aid off. And you're, you know, that's what, into the first quarter, into the second, into the second quarter. Um, yeah, that's a that's a bad time to change things, I think. But you're going to stick with the July 31st date, Josh. I, I kind of think so. I'm 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 going to I'm going to spend a couple weeks um, thinking about it while I'm on planes and cruise ships and stuff. Um, <laughs> and I will. I will worry about this when I come back. Um, but I, I kind of like the idea of changing it before kids come back. But we have so many other things changing with Infinite Campus. Like, there's going to be a lot of things changing. Um, so back to the original issue. Chris, how would you explain this to people? <laughs> um, we have kids and we didn't really think about it, right? So we say... You can't get the TikTok. You can't go to Facebook. Like all that stuff is blocked by our content filter. But when you take a step back and you think about third-party applications that you're allowing, a lot of times you're allowing those. You're allowing a kid outside of school, outside of content filter, uh, that they could potentially go to TikTok and click, hey, I want an account, and they just click use my Google account, and they're using their school-provided account to make a TikTok account, which is crazy when you start unpacking a lot of that. So when you look at your list, if you get in the Google Admin Console, you probably have a ton of third-party applications that faculty, staff, kids are using. And Chris, how do you find that? That's a great question. I'm going <laughs> to, I'll dig into to my Google Admin You're going to defer to Mark? Defer to Mark. Off the top of my head, I don't know. However, Keep you talking, can I'll find get, it. 
you you can get the list. You can download that list. So we've downloaded the uh, the spreadsheet of all the lists, and it also lists the number of users who have logged into that yeah. service. And if you wanted to dig into one, uh, you can also look at um, who the individual users are that have logged into it. So at least in my district, we've been on Google for 10 years, and so we have 10,370 apps that have been accessed using our accounts that we have to moderate now. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> this is so dumb. We can post instructions into the show notes. But yes, that? there there is a report. Um, and, and the funny thing was, we, we kind of stumbled on this about a month before this story came out or before Google announced this change. Um, and we were shocked at the number of applications that people had created SSO accounts with or sign-on accounts with, uh, including TikTok, including uh, certain, um, let's say, transactional websites. Just leave it at that. <laughs> um, that content is sold on. Um, we were, we were kind of surprised. We had to make some phone calls and say, hey, there are some uh, some conversations to be had because we're disabling this, but it's, we think it's worth having a conversation with this person, um, either be a student or faculty. Um, so the gist of this is Google is going into this SSO process and they're saying, uh, when someone SSOs, there are, there are two states, two or three states that a website can be in. It can be uh, can unconfigured, which is the default. If somebody goes to a site, first time, district doesn't know about it, and they try to hit sign in with Google. If it is unconfigured, they will get a pop-up notice if they're under 18. Because remember, we all had to go in and we had to say what OUs contain students or contained user accounts that were under the age of 18. This was probably a year and a half ago, and that had to do with YouTube. Um, so they're leveraging that age setting, and they're saying anyone under the age of 18, if they try to SSO or sign in with Google on an unconfigured third-party app, they will get a block page that says, contact your district administrator. Hunky-dory, right? Well, until you have a classroom teacher that goes out and is searching for new applications and runs across a cool one and doesn't call IT or doesn't have it vetted or doesn't get a DPA signed ahead of time and tries to use it in class. So there, there are concerns here. There, are, there will be hiccups here. Um, it is under security. There we go. API controls. Okay. App access controls. Wait, and then wait, click wait. on third party. No, I don't see security. Then what? API controls. Nope. No, he's so, right. Access and data control, and then API controls. Yes. Yeah, you weren't giving us the real step there, Chris. So, yes. And then, yeah, the big box there on that screen, app access control, and then manage third-party app access. You can, You're going to see a large number. Yeah. We have 136 configured apps and 1,141 accessed apps, um, which I'm assuming... Ooh. <laughs> All right, so I got a question for you. You get you get this list of apps and you're and you're going through and you see a lot of things you recognize, you see a lot of things you don't recognize. TikTok. Uh what do you do? So one of the one of the conversations that came up with our district is Uber or Lyft. Uh. So obviously 
probably not being used for school, um, although students might be using it to get to school. Um, or there might be an app like the Burger King or the McDonald's app, right, that, that students have used to, to log in uh, with their district-provided account. What do you do when you turn that off on July 31st or October 31st and someone says, I need to get back into the account. I have money in that account or I have, I have my credit card assigned in that account. What are you going to do? Mm. That's a tough one, Mark. Why do you have to ask the tough questions? Sorry about that. Um, I would say, can you call me, please? Because I don't want to put it into email. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would negotiate a cut. Um, like milkshake. <laughs> you order me Uber Eats uh, for lunch and I'll let you keep it. No, money getting involved is a hard conversation. Yeah. That's a... Yeah. Or, or... I have a TikTok account. I have videos in there that I want deleted under that profile. Yep. Oof. Oof is right. Really, though, could you contact TikTok as the district and say, this account belongs to the district? It's It was established by someone under the age of 18. You need to delete that account. You, I mean, one, would TikTok pay attention to that request? But could the district have a standing or have a process to do that? I don't know. That's what sucks I, about this, though, too. Be, it, it, it sucks that Google had this thing full send. We are years into Google. Oh, yeah. And now, like, e- even the fact that we couldn't easily find this setting, like, is a little bit telling of the problem. Well, this is a buried problem that we've not really thought through before. Yeah. And again, we're in the thousands. We're small school districts in the thousands, large school. I mean, there's going to be thousands and thousands of third party apps that have been accessed. Mark, what's your accessed apps? Did you say 10,000? 10,300. I'm Sweet. 1,100. Chris, what are you? Towards 1,100. Okay. I mean, and we've got everything in here. Like, we've got legit stuff. SmartPass, you know, EdSite, Typing.com, stuff like that. But we also have very, 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 very non- legit things in here. I think you're going to decide what your culture is. If you're sticking to the script, what's our policy say? Our policy is going to say educational value. Yeah. So like, yeah, we allowed just the same as like um, pornography. We block pornography. If you yeah. happen to access pornography, well, that's against policy. Even though you had access, it's against policy. I guess if you're sticking by the script, McDonald's, see ya. Yeah. Money be gone. I would I'd recommend as you're starting to plan this out, set up your override process. Yeah. Um, because somebody is gonna come with a yeah. with a really right. difficult situation. And they may need to get in let's say it's TikTok. They need to get into TikTok to delete those accounts or delete or their account or those videos. Yeah. And then they're done, right? So you're gonna need a way for some people to override uh and get into that app. Um and so I would I would plan for it so that you don't have to get so upset or or try to figure out a workaround after it. No, it, I I, I think place. you're right. And and what's very interesting to me on this screen, this app access control screen, when you do the view list of accessed apps, it will tell you the requested services. Like most of this stuff is just Google sign in, right? Not horrible, but but it's a process. They've got the email address now. But some of these, like I'm poster my wall. I'm not real sure what that is, but it requ- it it requested rights to Drive and Google Sign In. Um, 
it's just interesting the things in here you know our 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 yearbook companies requested drive rights with this soundtrap um yeah it's you you are going to be and what's really cool is it tells you the number of users that have accessed it um so and you can you can pull that app id and run a report to see what users are actually using it too yeah it's uh, Samsung email. I have 22 users hitting Samsung email with their Google SSO account. Like, why? I have, I have 12 users using Chatterbait. Oh, oh, Mark, we're going there, huh? We had two mm. users on OnlyFans. How's that? Staff or students? Uh, not mm. answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> It's for other things, though. We talked about doing that at one time, the podcast. <laughs> you have an OnlyFans account? <laughs> that was Corey. That's why he's not on here anymore. <laughs> we have we have 16 people using the McDonald's app, SSO, with their school email account. Yeah. I, I, would, um, I do like how it shows, is it a sign-in or is it actually accessing Google Drive, Gmail? I think those are the ones where I'm going to be a little bit more heavy-handed when yeah. it's... You know, it's an app that wants access to your drive or your Gmail. To actual data. I think I'll be a little bit more lenient when it says they just want to log in with their Google account. I, you know, I, I would. And here's the tough part, though. I would rather have somebody using the signing with Google button than creating a manual username and password on that app. Yeah. Oh, hey, DoorDash. Um, so high and low of it. If you leave this setting, if you don't go in here and you don't and you don't configure anything either say yes this app is valid and it can have access or no this app is not valid um and it can't have access come what october 23rd i said right yeah october 23rd of 2023 anything that is set to not configured or blocked will be blocked for people under the age of 13 or uh, 18 um so it will it will really behoove you to go in here and spend some time in on, <coughs> excuse me, and at least find the sites and services that you know are legitimate, that you have DPA signed for, that you have contracts with, and go in and configure them as approved apps before October 23rd. Because if you don't, your phone is going to blow up. That's a Monday. And why would you do that on, like, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, you. that's Google's last date. You should not be waiting for Google's last day to do this. No, but you know there will be people. I mean, you know there's people that haven't seen this. There's districts. um, I'm thinking the, you know, crazy small districts in Missouri that they don't really have an IT staff. Right. Like, have they seen this? That's going to be a fun Monday for us to watch. Yeah. So (laughs) what are are you guys going to go in and and proactively go in and, and change at least go I, in and approve some apps that you know are yeah. legitimate. I mean, you're going to have to. Yes. Yeah, we're. I think we're still on track to do it over the summertime. Uh, it the October date just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for us. So. And we've we've gone through and like I said, all of the stuff that we know is legitimate. Like it looks like Ed Puzzle, two thousand users. Yeah, that we've already gone in and we've hit approve. Um, the really nice thing that my guys figured out on this, you can download the list. 
and you can make your changes, you know, you can say approved, not approved, whatever, and then bulk update. You can re-upload that list and it will change them all at once rather nice. than going in and clicking and manually doing each one of 1,100 or like 10,000 if you're Mark. Um, so yeah, you definitely want to get ahead of this. But, okay, devil's advocate here, evil bastard operator from hell thought process here. To me, this is a great way to kind of force the hand of capturing DPAs. Like, you can say, I'm leaving this not configured because I know we do not have a student data privacy agreement for this application. Until we get a DPA signed for this application, it is staying not configured. Now, will that cause pain? Yes. But how else are you going to capture that? I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm a big jerk. Probably. Do you think this is going to... So let's, like... Let's pick on Edpuzzle. Edpuzzle hits my school district. I guess I should be in the loop on DPA stuff, though. I was going to say it, it, it could potentially hurt single sign-on. Like, when a new something is introduced. Sure. Like, the craze is going on. Everyone's starting to use Edpuzzle. Well, now, instead of just clicking on Google, because that's what we would recommend, they're all making accounts. Yeah. Like, it can almost hurt single sign-on uh, uh, that was I, my point yeah so let's oh, leave it you, you said that mark well i said they're going to make a standalone username and password which yeah. is kind of the same thing can you yeah. you, you 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 can choose to uh, let the jungle continue can you do that yes I, I don't think you can i think they're changing this hell or high water october 23rd <sighs> mark okay let, let's talk about that for a minute though mark if they go in and they create manually create an account, username, password, no SSO. By doing that, though, they're not really granting access. If, if, it's an, if it's a website that wants access to driver contacts or classroom content, if they go in and they make their own account, they're not granting access to their drive or contacts right. or mail, You know, right? True, true. So, and I think that's Google's big push here is... Yeah, that's the game. The, yes. it's it's the value of the content that they have access to. I mean, maybe I'm thinking about that wrong, but it, I think no, they're picking security over convenience. And I think that's okay. Getting back to how we started the show with MFA for students, you have to yep. find you have to find that middle ground security over usability. Um, but in this you, case, you know, somebody on my team posted a big sign on the network door that says security Mark over convenience no i think i think i think someone's listening huh <laughs> like right now no like last week oh. came in there's a big old sign posted it says security over convenience huh so yeah like a ted lasso style sign you know oh handwritten blue marker nice. yellow paper nice nice i've never watched that show you really hang on we'll we'll unpack that in a minute um oh, i just said it uh, so yeah, if, if you are not one, one caveat about this Google support article that we will link in the show notes that talks about this, they reference, um, this wizard that will show you how to do this in admin console. We have yet to find that wizard. It has not been turned on yet. So, um, when we do the show notes, we will give detailed steps on where you can find this uh, report um, because apparently this wizard is yet to come and maybe that's why they pushed it off. I don't know. Um, 
quickly, Chris, why don't you talk about Fortinet? Fortinet, a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. Okay. <laughs> you can email Fortinet podcast at Fortinet.com. Talk to our good friend, Chris Illingworth over at Fortinet. Fortinet is also going to be at the Midwest Tech Talk conference coming up in July. Check out MidwestTechTalk.com. Register for that. You can be in the Midwest. You can be in Missouri, but you can be beyond as well. We want to hang out with you. Mark is coming to do the keynote. Mark, what's your keynote topic? Any idea? No. How to, cool. how to make a podcast? I have no idea. When, cool. when am I doing? When is this? Awesome. Sometime okay. in July. Got it. Mark's excited to come to Missouri and see, uh, oh my God, not groundhogs. Pate. Pate. Well, Pate. Pate's not. Armadillos. Gonna Pate's going to be in Chicago. Armadillos. Thank you. What? He's he's taking his daughter to the Cardinals-Cubs game in Chicago. Unbelievable, Pate. So at work that into your keynote about he heard you were coming and he left. And the, you know, the snip, the screenshot that you were going to show, still show that. Because that, that'll still work. Don't um, spoil things. I didn't spoil anything. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Chris has not watched Ted Lasso. I have not. Ted Lasso's great. Final episode I'm, was this week. Mark, did you ever watch the final episode? I'm not. I'm, I'm behind. Oh, you are? How far behind? behind. A season. Oh, Mark, come on. So, I'm sorry. I, I can't say the season was great. The last couple episodes were good. The final episode was really good. We, we at, at least I've watched it. Chris, who is a walking, talking Ted Lasso, doesn't even know what it is. <laughs> and I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment. No, it's not an it's insult. A, it's no, a compliment. No, it is a compliment. Thank you. And yeah, Ted Lasso's great. You, you could go as Ted Lasso for Halloween without much effort. I, you own a, I've seen you in a jacket that is very similar to the puffer jacket that Ted Lasso wears. Mm. You shave your goatee and only have a mustache. You could be a dead ringer. I just asked my wife about, what's that thing called? The, when you do the stash, but it like goes. Oh, like a Salvador Dali kind of. Yeah. I want that. Well, she told me I can't. We have definitely made it through the agenda tonight. Yes, we have made it through the agenda. <laughs> and I said, my body, my choice. Oh, Chris, you don't argue with your wife. Um, before <laughs> before we leave tonight, we need to talk about NTP, one of our newest sponsors on the show. Uh, they offer a number of suite of, a, a suite of products from endpoint detection to managed SOC, network monitoring, cloud monitoring, phishing services. Um, one of the things that NTP does do, and they do very, very well, is their protect line of product. It is they team Sentinel One uh, complete with their SOC, their 24-7, 365 SOC, monitoring Sentinel-1 uh, alerts, and they can take care of your network even when you are away. Um, they have extremely aggressive pri- pricing for K-12 on all of this. They have, their products include Core, Protect, TVM, and Aware. They can explain all of this to you, but the Sentinel-1 line is called Pro- Protect, if your cyber insurance company is starting to require you have a next-gen EDR solution, you definitely want to email our friend David over at NTP, and his email address is dren, W-R-E-N, at ntp-inc.com. 
We'll also have a link to their website in the show notes. So contact David. Tell him you heard about him on this podcast. Call him Big D. That's what Josh calls him. I, I've never called David that. Um, I'm not even sure if he would appreciate that. <laughs> I, David, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh my God. Chris. We really got to get better at cutting episodes as soon as we're through the agenda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to learn when we get through our talking points to stop. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> All right. That was episode 21. Uh, we hope we're still besties with Kosen after that comment. Uh, we will, uh, some of us are going on special assignments here in the next couple of weeks, so we might be a little. Uh, different. There might be a couple special guests. We're not sure. We we do have a potential really cool interview um, with some uh, high-ranking CISO type folks coming up, hopefully, that we're trying to arrange. So uh, more info on that later as that happens. Any f- closing thoughts, Chris? Apologies, Chris, Mark? It's been a good day. Good seeing you guys. <laughs> Mark, anything you want to say? I think we're just, I'm happy that we made it through without Chris saying something more inappropriate. So <laughs> I was fine. I think you have, you guys need to check your thoughts. You you were, you were fine. Check your Ted, thoughts. You went from Ted Lasso to that comment. Oh um, yeah. No, yeah, he's no longer Ted Lasso. No, he's no, uh, maybe beard. Um, what's so, Ted Lasso do? Like what's he do? Oh, we're let's end the episode. We'll talk. Great episode course. guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. (laughs) Share us with your friends. Shoot us an email if you have feedback. If you appreciate Chris's weird jokes, let us know. Shoot us an email. All of our contact info is in the show notes. See you next week. Thanks for listening.